This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. We're here next for, for the next episode of Lincoln Chronicles. I would like to introduce Amber. Amber, thank you so much for coming over. No it is so nice. So w- once again, we, we do these kind of interviews with people that have battled addiction and overcome it. We do it because your story, you know, and your message and your secrets um, can really help others. You know, there's a whole lot of people out there that I guess we don't touch. They say it's up upwards, north, you know, close to 80% mm-hmm. of people that actually need treatment and and just haven't reached out yet or maybe afraid or don't know what to do next. And then a story like yours, of course, is so right. helpful. So thank you. So, but here you are, just young, late 20s. Um, yeah, let's start with your story. Like, tell me how it all happened, where all of a sudden opiates became a a presence in your life? Well, I mean, it never really bothered me. Like, I never got into drugs. I never was, like, a smoker even. My dad was in the military, so I was just really against that. I never even drank as a teenager. And um, I just, I moved around a lot, and I was a teen mom first. So that was, like, where all my responsibility came in. And he was kind of, like, really everything to me. Before him, I didn't have much of a stable family because I had my mom in one state and my parent, my other parents in the other state. Right. And, um, and you're I, how old at this time before um, you have your first baby? I, it's like, um, right when I had my first baby, I was, uh, 18, 19. Okay. Right. So, um, I still hadn't graduated yet. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was, I was held back a year, mm-hmm. um, for being too shy. I guess I always had like a little bit of anxiety, even though when I was younger. Oh, wow. yeah. So I think it was just because we moved around a lot. So it was really hard to like meet new people over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, I had my first kid and that's kind of where everything started to move upwards for me. I had like this ambition to be successful in whatever it was I did. My mom, she was not that great of an influence. She was a stripper, but she was also like um, in Hustler magazine. So she did a lot of things that people look down on. I now have like a new understanding of it. Like I don't look down on that. Like just do what you do. If you are happy with it, then fine. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, I didn't really understand that. So um, I didn't want to go that route. I just wanted to get like a normal job and make my own way in life and raise my kid. And um, so it was just me and him. And then eventually I kind of wanted more. I felt like he needed a a father figure in his Mm -hmm. life because he didn't have that and I wanted that for him. Um, I wanted to have the stability for him that I didn't have. So that's where I met my husband like two years later. But I was already with somebody at this point when I met my husband. And so my husband came in as kind of like my my savior because I was in a really abusive relationship, very controlling. Um, but I was kind of on the fence of like what to do because at this point when I was in this abusive relationship and I met my future husband, um, I just had a baby with this guy. So I was like on the fence. I ended up moving in with my ex-boyfriend who was the father of one child, but not the other. Mm -hmm. And um, I just decided that enough was enough because like I told you, my firstborn was kind of everything to me. He was my rock. He's what made me feel strong through everything. 
And um, just I couldn't have him raised in that kind of environment where I felt like if he ever did that to another woman, it was because of me, because I allowed him to see that. Right. He was becoming kind of numb to the abuse towards me. And then I, I also worried that like, okay, well, what if one day he's, I'm not enough? Like, what if he goes after my kid? Right. So I didn't want to be there anymore. So I called Brett. Um, you really had a crash course in growing up fast. Yeah, I mean, really, really because, fast. And you knew you, you knew you wanted more for you and your child, but you, you probably didn't have like a great nuclear family or a normal type family to just model after. So you probably didn't really know how to go about it. I right. mean, how would you? I mean, I had to kind of know? figure everything out by my myself. I couldn't right. ask for my parents for help on anything because they were very. One end was very strict, mm -hmm. and I had gone the route of dropping out of school and having mm -hmm. a baby. And then on the other end, my mom wasn't very stable herself, so I couldn't right. get help from anybody. So I kind of had to either figure it out on my own, yeah. which was really hard to do. So basically, I had to jump from boyfriend to boyfriend just to make sure I had a roof over my head and stuff like that. Right. So really, you you were only given two options, and one, of course, as a teenager or late you know, early adult, it's like, do I go with a strict one? Do I go with the enabler one? Do I, you know, what, what is in between? And plus, you know, I don't know when we're young, we don't even know what we, exactly. what kind of person we're looking for. Yeah. And we don't know what's good for us. So. Yeah. Well, good. And I also didn't want to like introduce a lot of people to my son's life just to rip yeah. them away. And then also there's this newborn baby that I now have and I couldn't even bond with her in a way that I, I liked. And I never ended up being able to because of what happened after um, I met Brett. And he got my stuff and we moved me out of there. And his parents really helped me out a lot. But during this process, my ex said that he wanted to take the kids to see his family. And that was all the way in another state that was in Oklahoma. Wow. And I said that was fine because they had built a bond with my son mm -hmm. um, as I, cause you know, I don't know. We were, we were not together very long and I don't know why I trusted them with my only important thing in life, mm -hmm. but I did. I didn't think that they would ever do anything so crazy. But when I went to get my son back after the weekend was over, yeah. um, they didn't get him back to me. Oh, wow. And I didn't get him back for another year and a half. Wow. It was legal kidnapping. Right. Because the judge there, it was a different, I don't know, it was weird because they knew the judge. And mm -hmm. when they filed to get, um, it was emergency custody mm -hmm. is what they filed for saying that I was a drug addict, which at this right. point I wasn't. Yeah. I had never touched anything. I had never even smoked weed. I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't do any of it. Like my only reason for being was to raise my kids and to make money to give them what they needed. And like, I mean, that was it. The yeah, only kind of small town. I mean, yeah. uh, you go in front of a judge, well, only one side's heard. They make whatever claims they want. Yeah. And they make a decision. Based so on me, I was in Wichita. Yeah. They had my kids in another state that was a very, very small town. So here, when I realized they weren't bringing my kids back, I immediately called the police. Mm -hmm. And they made a kidnapping case and everything. Right. But then when we figured out where they were, that's where it became a problem with jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And so they couldn't help me unless I got them back here. 
And I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't drive. Mm -hmm. I don't have a car. I don't even have a license. I have no money to do anything because they literally went to my job and threw such a dramatic fit in Mm -hmm. front of my job that they fired me. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at a club, and he constantly accused me of flirting with people, which right. was ridiculous. I'm a waitress. You kind of have to. Right. So um, at that point, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to, like, travel there to get him back. So I did have a few friends that, because of the police finding out that he was in a different state, mm-hmm. um, they took me down there, but we didn't have an address. So we drove down there, mm-hmm. driving around for eight hours just trying to see if anything looked familiar to me mm-hmm. and we just drove around for eight hours trying to see if I could find a road that led to the house because I knew what the house looked like right. and so by that time I ran into a sheriff which I told him what was going on mm-hmm. and he was able to get in his vehicle and do some information search on his little computer thing yeah. And he said, do you know about this? I was like, what do you mean? He said, they put an emergency custody order. And I was like, wait, how is that even legal? Yes. How can they do that without even informing me, without anybody contacting with me? Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's been no police contacting. I even called the police, and they didn't tell me any of this because at the time I filed for kidnapping first. All right. And then when they realized that, they realized that they had to do something quick. So I don't understand how any of this could not have been relayed to me without me, like, all of it happened without me knowing. And in just a matter of a weekend. Mm-hmm. So, um, finally, when he told me this, he showed me the paperwork and apparently the reason he was in emergency custody was because they said I was addicted to cocaine, mm-hmm. which was ludicrous. And if that was true, they were supposed to do a CPS and they were supposed to do a drug test. And if I failed, then they would investigate. Then they would decide if I was unfit or anything like that. They never did that. Mm-hmm. So they kept my children. And finally, I got a court date. Like a month later, my kids were gone for a month. My son in the custody of people he never met except for like maybe two or three times. So um, immediately they said, well, will you do a drug test? I was like, of course. Why would I not do a drug test? Mm -hmm. And so when that came back and I passed the drug test, obviously that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, she has to be, like, lying. She probably used somebody else's hair or what. Like, how could I do that? Yeah. So I did a second drug test, all of this coming out of my own pocket. They mm-hmm. didn't pay for it. The state mm-hmm. didn't pay for it. Uh, hair follicle test was $100. So now this is $200. When that passed, they then wanted to say, okay, well, she wasn't using drugs, but she's bipolar and she's crazy, mm-hmm. so she's unfit. And so I had to go and I had to get myself a therapist to take a a test to show that I was a fit mother, that I didn't even have so much as depression. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I have to go out of my way to prove every little lie that they come up with time and time again, that it's not true before I get my child back? Like, I don't know what they're doing to him. I don't know them like that. That was just his family. And he was already abusive to me. So then we ended up like still staying in court and I just kept having to do things and they, and once I would pass it, they would come up with another thing and it just, it was just so stressful. I felt like I was never going to get my son back and I wasn't really worried about my daughter because like that was his kid. He would never do anything to her. Um, and then I was finding out that he wasn't even taking care of my son. He just dropped him off 
with someone else and just took our daughter. And um, the whole purpose of this was that his mom said that um, I would never fulfill my end of the bargain because all I wanted when we had our child was Mm -hmm. for him to take custody of our daughter and for just me to go back to my life with my son and just be responsible for my son because I was still very young. And through all this, it was just getting so, like, it was tearing me down time and time again, over and over again. Every time I visited him, he would cry to me, Mommy, when can I come home? When can I come home? They're mean to me. I started seeing bruises on him. I started taking pictures. Um, I My son was potty trained already at the age of one. Right. And he was now in diapers again. And... Also, he was sleeping in the same bed with this woman who was not his mother and apparently wasn't even allowed to take a shower without her being in the shower, which is weird. Right. So then I wanted to start investigating for abuse, sexual and physical abuse on him, which um, even the evidence that I did have uh, didn't go anywhere because, you know, she knew the judge, and I didn't even find this out until Well, she also later. knew the system. Mm-hmm. She knew the system, and she knew how to play it, and so... Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't even let me represent myself in court, mm-hmm. so when my dad took me up there the first time, mm-hmm. the judge told me that he wouldn't even listen to my case until I got a lawyer, which it's my right to be able to represent myself. Right. And my dad was in the military, and he said, okay, if, if you want to go ahead and investigate my daughter, that's fine, but give me custody of my grandson because he is not their blood mm-hmm. and I've served over 21 years in the military. Why can he not be with his grandfather mm-hmm. at least? And they wouldn't allow that. And there was no reason for it. No reason for it. Yeah. So um, this went on for like a good six months before I found out that they bribed the judge. Mm-hmm. They paid him money to just turn me down every time. And so he was fired. There was a new judge and things started moving very quickly. But by this time, I was like dealing with so much. And then I got pregnant again with me and my husband's daughter because we we had moved in together at this point. I was, I found another job just to pay for the lawyer bills. Um, So I was a health health aide, like an at-home health aide, which paid pretty good money, but it was still not enough to cover the lawyer fees. I still needed help. And, um... So this is kind of where I started like drinking a little bit because I was just so stressed out. I couldn't sleep at night anymore because mm-hmm. the bruises and other things that I would see on him, it just got, it just got really hard because they didn't know what they were doing to him. Yeah, there was nothing I could do. felt helpless as a mom and that's the terrible feeling. Yeah. No one could help me. No one would do anything, and the only people who even believed me was my husband's family, and even that was far-fetched, because why would this random lady just go and try to ruin my life? Mm -hmm. At one point, she sent me a text message with papers for adoption, Mm -hmm. said, go ahead and sign these, you might as well go ahead and sign these, because you're never going to see them again, you're never going to get them again. And she knew, because she had bribed the judge. There was nothing I could do, and I was still a kid. This um, was in Oklahoma. And, like, I had heard that it was, like, a mother's state, and even if it wasn't a mother's state, he only had one parent, and I had never done anything wrong. I didn't use drugs, Mm -hmm. so just, I I needed to sleep at night, 
Right. Without dreaming about him calling out for me and I just felt like why not go ahead and use drugs? Like I'm never gonna get him back. Mm-hmm. So I started taking like painkillers every now and then just to kinda like help and it didn't really help with anything, but I was already starting to deal with like tooth decay because of my pregnancy. And I was pregnant and I was drinking and I was using a little bit of drugs. I didn't know I was pregnant yet. But then when I found out I was pregnant, um, I don't know, she was kind of a miracle and she just, she made me want to fight again. So I got a little bit stronger. Obviously I stopped drinking and stopped using pills and just like, just stopped everything and I went and got a new job. It was a really good job. It had, um, you know, health insurance and they paid me really well. So I was able to stay um, in Wichita and work because before the home health aid, I had to travel wherever he went. And so I couldn't be around Brett and I I just constantly had to go to these stupid court dates. And then when I didn't have to go to the court dates, they had to have me travel all the way to Oklahoma over and over and over again, which was so expensive on top of the lawyer fees and everything else I was dealing with. And now I was, you know, I was having to pay for it all by myself. I couldn't get any help through the state. I couldn't get anybody to listen to me. I At one point, I think I even tried to reach out to like Oprah and Dr. Phil and like, yeah, obviously that Just was a long trying to get some shot. justice. And I'll be yeah. the first to tell you, I mean, you know, as an old prosecuting attorney, an old city cop i mean the court system is bogged down it's uh not only inefficient and it's full of well-meaning people but the system itself can i mean you can dig a hole you can never get out of it right and and so you know you hope that there's constant improvements but yeah for somebody like you you know without income or steady income and just um there's certainly abuses of the process there are and there and there certainly needs to be um some liability to those people that abuse the system and so yeah you ran into yeah to a system that that isn't always and i was young and they knew i was young and then i was like just young and dumb and i didn't know what i was doing and i don't know maybe they figured i'd give up or something Mm -hmm. but then when i got pregnant again i was just so much more determined and it just kind of like made me see things again like okay well i'm gonna get him back Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that they can do to stop me. They can try to threaten me with adoption all they want to, but they cannot adopt my son without my permission. They're not gonna sit there and back me into a corner. Mm -hmm. The judge was fired and now a guardian ad litem had come in. And this is where things started to finally get better. Mm -hmm. The guardian ad litem came and saw that I was working really well. I had gotten a new home. Um, I had a bedroom for my son. And it, he had everything in it. He had a bed. He had its toys. I had it set up like he was living there already. And that was the thing that really helped my case was the fact that I had all that. Right. And he wasn't staying with me. He wasn't even allowed to be over at all. And, like, I was allowed no visitation for no reason. And when he went to go interview them, he didn't even have a bedroom there. And he'd been living there for almost a year now. And it was just ridiculous. So it took a a guardian to actually come in there and get the facts, get the story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't like that. She did not because he was literally, 
just saying such amazing things about me. Like she mm -hmm. has literally worked her way up from nothing. This shouldn't have happened in the first place, but now you guys want to reintegrate her child to her, even though it shouldn't ever happen because you're mm -hmm. saying that he's been taken away for too long. So mm -hmm. now he needs to slowly get back to know her, yes. but it didn't make any sense. None of it did, but he was literally backing me up, telling them, how amazing it was that such a young person was able to handle all this, hadn't given up yet, and was still fighting. Like, no other person as young as I would would have been able to handle all that stress. And for a minute, I wasn't able to, but yeah. I had to do what I had to do to get him back. And, it, I mean... So this, this is a credit toward your perseverance. And, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you may have been down for a little while, but you picked yourself back up. And, yeah. But yeah. then she, she got really pissed about the fact that he was backing me up, right. but he was starting to say really bad things about her, mm -hmm. saying that he sees that my child's scared of her, that there's mm -hmm. bruises, that there's no sufficient, um, like, there's nowhere for him to sleep except for in her bed, and he right. doesn't have any toys, he doesn't have anything. He barely even had any clothes. I mean, the only clothes he had were the so ones who's that saying I this? You're talking about the... the guardian at life okay. was yeah. telling the judge all of these things, right. all these negative things about her that right. she wasn't even capable of caring for him. Mm -hmm. And I had everything for him, like he was he had never left. Right. So like he didn't understand why this was still going on. She mm -hmm. didn't like that because now they were looking into her, mm -hmm. getting him taken away from her because she was not providing for him in the way she should have as a guardian. Right. And um, so she had him fired. Mm -hmm. She oh, had him fired. Yeah. And mm -hmm. when things were finally starting to get better for me, mm -hmm. he was fired. And at some point I realized that my lawyer had made a deal with them because the first thing I wanted to do was fight for custody of my son back. Mm -hmm. I wasn't concerned about my daughter, and this is where my lawyer said no. If you don't want to fight for both custody of your mm -hmm. daughter and your son, mm -hmm. then I will not work for you. Right. I had already paid her yeah. like 15 grand. Got it. So I didn't have a choice but to stick with her. Mm -hmm. And if I would have just fought for custody of my son, this case would have been a lot quicker mm -hmm. because of the fact that he was no blood relation I didn't do anything wrong mm -hmm. and so after the guardian ad litem had been fired this is when I really started to go downhill I had already had given birth to my daughter mm -hmm. and she didn't even know she had a brother she didn't know she had a sister she didn't know any of it and it was so frustrating because every time I, I felt that I was being a good mother to her I felt guilty right. <laughs> because I couldn't be a mom to my son and that's kind of where, like, just the depression and self-hatred took over. And I started having tooth problems because of my pregnancies mm -hmm. and because of the pain. So that was my excuse to start using um, pain medication because it was prescribed to me. Right. And um, that was when I realized that was, like, the only thing that gave me the energy to keep going. So I didn't have to do any drug tests. Right. anymore because I had already passed. They, there was no reason for them to go after me again because I could easily fight that and um, even if they did I could stop using and then just get cleaned up for the test and then I you know use it when I needed it and that's what I did. I used it when I needed it for the pain but then I also used it for getting Emotional my energy. Pain as and, well, yeah. 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 And that's where like I I didn't even know that I was addicted at this point. 
until after I'd finally got my son back. Mm -hmm. And I ended up losing my daughter completely because I had to make a deal just to get him back. Right. I had to basically sign over my rights for my daughter, for his new wife, to be the mother just to get my son out of there because he was mm -hmm. he was being abused. My daughter was living with her dad and his new wife, but my son was left by himself with this woman. Right. And then she moved and she didn't even tell the courts that she moved, which was illegal. Mm -hmm. You cannot move with a child that's not yours and then have no one know where he is. Right. I think she was planning to run because she knew I was winning. And at that point, um, they had even written me a letter. Her mother, which was my, gr my daughter's grandmother, wrote me a letter and sent it in the mail. And that's really where she messed up because she was trying to bribe me. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I already started having visitations to my son um, for weekend visits and stuff like that. So he was, um, I mean, he did never needed reintegrated back in my life. It was not even, I mean, it was just a year. Right. He was still very young, and I, I saw him every time I could. It's not like I went weeks and weeks without visiting him. I paid so much money, and I worked so much overtime to make sure that I could go up there and bang on her door until she allowed me to go in her house to see my son. So, anyways... So she realized you weren't going to go away. No. Right. So she sent me this letter and um, basically telling me she would give me my son back. And that's where she messed up. She allowed me to have my son mm -hmm. and she never came to pick him up. And it, I had already had him for a week and a half at this point and I had the letter, which is written proof. That was stupid of her. Mm -hmm. She was trying to bribe me to pay me every month to allow me to let her take him every other weekend. Yeah. And that, like... So it's kind of a happy ending, right? Right. Yeah. So she messed up. She left him with me for, like, almost two weeks. And mm -hmm. at that point, I had a new lawyer mm -hmm. who was actually fighting for my mm -hmm. son. And... Now he's um, back here in Kansas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have it. I've had him back for sure. a while now. He's 10 now. Oh, yeah. And this happened when he was one through two years old. But... It still affects me, and I think, like, after I got him back is when it really got bad for me because I felt so guilty that it had been a year and a half that I lost of him. And then my daughter, like, I never saw her crawl. I never heard her talk. I still see her now because I'm really good friends with um, my ex again right. and I'm really good friends with his wife and they realized they messed my life up and my kid's life up so right. it was just his mother like she yeah. was crazy and she thought that I was like I don't know what she thought but she got in his head and like made it about her somehow mm -hmm. and it wasn't him I was fighting it was his mom the entire time which was weird yeah Took him a while to see it though. Yeah. So after everything started going back to normal, we finally started like we had a normal thing going. Even years later, like I just started using more and more because my teeth kept getting worse and worse. At this point, I couldn't afford to see a dentist because of how much I I still owed the cords and everything. So I had to just manage the pain with whatever I could at this point. Pills were getting less and less on the streets, so I started going to whatever else I could use for pain medication. At this point, my teeth were, like, decaying so much more rapidly than they should have probably because the drugs, which was 
putting me essentially more pain than what I was feeling before. Right. And then it also helped me to like get over the depression, like give me more energy because I was still so depressed. And I think I still suffer from PTSD from all of it that it's like I can't get up out of bed unless I'm using something. And then it makes me feel guilty that I can't even play with my kids now. So it just had like I had to use something to just be a mom now, which was ridiculous and you're young so you build up a tolerance fast and you end up having to take more of it yeah well was it Lortab, it was um, anything whatever. like i think yeah. it started with just percocets and more tabs mm-hmm. and then it started to move up to really anything oxycodone or whatever and like i wouldn't even know the names of half the stuff i took right because my husband's a drug user as well he's a drug right. addict as well and yeah. he's also going through recovery but um and he's doing a great job yeah. he admits he's responsible for, yeah you know making stuff available to you right and, and uh but by the same token he's super proud and and he's done well as he's well. been a yeah. really big yeah. part of me even coming yeah. to treatment because yeah. He wanted to get help because I had convinced him he needed to go back to college because at this point we had twins. And of course I stopped using cold turkey. I was never ever using while I was pregnant if I knew I was pregnant. So I would stop, which was very dangerous, especially for me being pregnant with twins, which was already very dangerous. And so I stopped cold turkey when I got pregnant with them. And so the entire time I was pregnant, I was just withdrawing constantly. And so then I started having blood pressure problems. I had a stroke because of it and I just, but then I had them and I had to go back to using just to get rid of it because mm-hmm. this whole time I was still withdrawing. Withdrawals, yeah. And I don't know if it was just mental or like yeah. what, but even after, I think it was like six and a half months that I was pregnant with them mm-hmm. before I gave birth because um, you never carry full term with right. twins. You ran out of room. Yeah. 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 Especially yeah. those two. Like, oh, I bet. They were yeah. over 10 pounds together. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm tiny. And I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, so I would have never come here if it weren't for him. At that point, we had more responsibility and I wanted him to get clean. Thoughts that they may... You know, that people are going to find out this dirty yeah. secret and you find out, you learn that it's common. It's yeah, common and, and it is. everybody has these And I, I realized that later, like yeah. when he finally convinced me to come in and we talked and stuff like that. Like no one was going to come and take my kids because I was getting help. Right. If mm-hmm. I wasn't getting help and somebody had found out, I wasn't going to be given another chance. And this was my way to not only keep my kids safe, but also to keep them having a family. Because mm-hmm. I... I mean, if I was still going, like, I, I don't know, people right. die all the time from drugs. They do now, You never think it's right. going to happen to you, but now, yeah. like, you're getting stuff and you have no idea what's inside of it. Yeah. I could have died in the car with them. Number one killer of young adults, absolutely. Yeah. And then, right. you know, when, when you know you need help is when you're starting to bring your kids to drive around for hours just to wait for somebody to bring you stuff. Like, right. that's the most embarrassing and low feeling that you can feel. Mm-hmm. Is that you have to tell your kids, like, just be patient. If you wait a little while, we'll take you to the park afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is the worst thing that you could ever... And if they do stuff you normally would never exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is like, this stuff that you see on the news of people that end up mm-hmm. getting their kids taken away or leaving their kids alone while they go and overdose. Is, right. That's the things that they say to them. And I, it just, I 
am so happy because I was only here for about six months before I started getting off. Right. So I was very determined to just get clean because at that point, the only reason I was even using was now to not withdraw and get sick because right. if I got sick, I really couldn't take care of them. It was not battling depression. It was battling me being weak and shaky and feverish and yeah. miserable and yeah it's not about the buzz or euphoria or anything it's yeah. about just not being sick and, and my kids the it's not their that. job to take care of me it's my job to take care of them right so well, yeah you've done I, wonderful you've done i mean you've did the you you titrated down and and, yeah. and i mean so you're doing incredible. Yeah, I know. Have you noticed really like a, nothing. a different kind of mentality or anything? I do. I'm able yeah. to rationalize. I still suffer from anxiety and PTSD with people that I don't know. If mm -hmm. if I know you and I've had a conversation with you like more than a few times and I know you by name, then I feel comfortable enough to be very social. Mm -hmm. But if it's people that I don't know, I'll sit there and think about going and seeing them or them hanging out with me and I will dread it and I will make up every excuse in the book to not go right. and it's just I don't think I'll ever get over that but I don't think that's due to the drug use mm -hmm. it could be a little bit but I think it's mainly due to what I went through mm -hmm. but um yeah and we're usually pretty good about I mean so many of the people that um get relief from war taps purpose that there is underlying social anxiety right and then of course it just amplifies it yeah know. i was on so, some anxiety meds for right. a little bit when i first came here they had me right. on some anxiety meds but right. then i decided i didn't want to take anything i didn't mm -hmm. want to take anything anymore i just wanted to take the methadone yeah. and get clean and when i got clean i didn't want to have anything else after like okay. i don't want to have anything if i take anything it's going to be tylenol tylenol pm to go to sleep yeah. and just you know something I'm not going to be addicted to or be relying on. And so I decided that I didn't want to take the anxiety medicine anymore after a little while. So when I started going down, I stopped taking the anxiety medicine. And my husband was against it, but my counselor was very supportive of it. Mm -hmm. She understood why. And I've, I've never been happier. Like, I'm able to handle my anxiety and um, if I think I hear something outside, I'm not like sitting there staring out the window thinking somebody's coming after me, like, I mean, it took a little while, but, um, the paranoia is pretty much completely gone, yeah. and I'm able to rationalize with myself, which I don't think I was able to do, because I was relying on the anxiety medicine right. to calm me down, which is what I didn't want, because of the way I had, um, needed to use to help me get energy and to help me take care of my kids. I didn't, I don't want to rely on anything except for myself. Because right. I'm a very strong person, obviously, mm -hmm. and so I just, I need to get through it, and then, you know. And you've learned coping skills, yeah. and you've learned to become self-aware about when the anxiety is starting to flare up, and how to calm it back yeah, down. Yeah, I can feel count, my, you know. like, beads of sweat, or I can right. feel my head pounding, or my heart pounding, or even just, like, little motions, like, I don't know, just, I don't know, maybe... Looking away from somebody, I can tell that I'm starting to get that way and I'll be able to calm myself down. My daughter is really good at telling when it's happening. Yeah. So she's one of my coping mechanisms, which I used to think was wrong. But I don't think it's wrong as long as I'm, you know, working on it. And you should rely on your family. You should accept help when it's given. Mm -hmm. I used to be completely against that because I didn't think anybody would care because of what I went through. Right. I couldn't trust anybody. 
So now I just realize it's just that I was trusting the wrong people and there are people that care and that want to help you. They don't mm -hmm. want to just take your family from you. And, right. and you know, the reason for this is the methadone's got a real long half-life. So that reactive part of your brain that's just always in crisis mode, always in crisis mode, yeah. that, that kind of feeds the paranoia and feeds, you know, the, the, the amplified fear of withdrawals. It starts to quiet down. And then you felt over the course of months, you know, that now you're back in control. Yeah. You're able to like logically think things out. You're, you have better understanding about, you yeah. know, what's going on. And that's all part of the process of your brain shifting back to normal. So, Since then, I've, yeah. um, I've even, I've graduated from high school. I've done a little bit of college. I've, I kind of stopped that because I was like in between wanting to do more things. Like mm -hmm. I started cooking, I started makeup. And like, I'm just on so many different levels now that I couldn't be before because I was spending all my time either looking for something right. or spending all my money on it. I couldn't even buy my kids like really nice presents or just go out and take them for ice cream or anything yeah. without using. And it's just really nice to feel like I'm alive again and almost to where I was before the whole thing with my son happened. So yeah. I feel almost normal. And, and your husband, I mean, you guys, you did this together. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you used a little different, I mean, he's on, you know, or used Suboxone. Yeah. But I mean, the same process, the same, um, you know, desire to, to both get better at the same time, right. which really is awesome. He's not here because he's got some kids to, to look out <laughs> for, you know, but, but, uh, he, he's very proud of you as well. And, and, and you should be proud of him. I mean, you guys yeah. are doing great. I've heard a lot yeah, of, um, yeah. people that use together, they can't get yeah. clean together because they mm -hmm. enable each other. Right. But really we've both been what's enabled each other to get clean, which mm -hmm. has been really, I think amazing. And not a lot of people can do that. Right. Um, but I think we have a main need for our mm -hmm. children and for our children is each other in the middle of that. So, I mean, without each other, we wouldn't have them and they, they really keep us strong. Perfect. And I'm, I'm not really ashamed to say that my kids are no. my rocks because they're really everything. Well, and if your self-esteem is low, you, you, you kind of almost don't want to do it for yourself, but it's exactly. amazing when uh, a woman, you know, gets pregnant or has a child and it's all of a sudden now they're stepping up, they're stepping up for, this newborn that, right. that, you know, something they wouldn't do for themselves, right. but it worked out. And, and so did. I'm so happy for both of you and you got a great family and, and, and thank you. Are there any like little success tidbits you want to give people about, you know, I mean, obviously there was a time where you said, I'm done, I'm done and I'm, we're going to go get treatment together. And, um, you guys both did it, you know? I mean, just so. when I realized that I was getting sick because of uh, not using mm -hmm. was really the wake-up call because I didn't look at it as withdrawal mm -hmm. because I had never felt withdrawal before. Even when I, like, because if I used recreationally, I wouldn't use and I would be fine. Yeah. But then I started being more dependent on it, and that's really what made me feel just disgusted with myself. Mm -hmm. I think that no one can get clean unless they're ready to be clean, and I think that's, like, the main thing is that you can find something that really makes you want to be a better person and makes you want to be clean, but if you're not ready for it, you're not going to. Mm -hmm. You have to be really stable enough in your heart, maybe not in your mind, but in your heart to believe that you can do it and you're ready for it. And 
Yeah, I just and your testimony that life on the other side is worth it. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden you didn't need an artificial buzz. You've got some pretty interesting hobbies, and you've got some interesting life plans, and it's all now. I think my high mainly comes from my kids laughing and smiling, and if they're having fun Mm -hmm. or if they're making silly jokes or if they're doing something really cute. Just being normal kids is kind of what my buzz is now. And it just makes me feel really good to almost have my life back to where it was. I'm really, really close. My husband still has a little bit of work to do, but, I mean, he's getting there. Oh, yeah. He's been he's been addicted a lot longer than I was, mm-hmm. so it's going to be more of a struggle for him. But I think as long as he has a good support system, he'll be able to do it. Well, too. and then part of that support system is you. I mean, he's doing it for you and the kids as well, but... He's 150% of whatever he does, right? So yeah. now oh, it's yeah. channeled into good stuff, and, and he'll be, he's out there kicking butt. Yeah, so. it's the doubt for yeah. him that I think ever yeah. makes him yeah. sway if he feels like he's not good enough for me or for the kids. That's really what brings him down. Uh-huh. So for me, it's like if I feel like I'm not good enough, I, I need to do better. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's kind of the opposite. Interesting. So yeah. he has to be lifted up, whereas I have to be down to my lowest and be like, no, I, I can do better. Yeah. Like, I'm very competitive, and I think yeah. that's where that comes from, but... Well, just the fact you guys understand that about each other. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what makes it work as well. I, I can tell you both are rooting for each other. Yeah. You know, so that's awesome. Well, thank you for much, uh, or so much, Amber, for coming and, and telling us your story. I'm sorry and, for, like, breaking down. It's just, I oh, don't no. talk about that to a lot of people, so... No, no, and that, I mean, thanks for sharing, sharing it all. And, and so, um, yeah, your, the whole purpose of your coming to tell your story is just to help others and it's very selfless and I, I want to thank you again and and you could probably very well save a life or two or, or three you know just and I know there's people out there that that can relate to your story because there's so many young women that get mixed up in things yeah. you know and children get involved and, and it's super high emotion and it's you don't know what to do and, yeah and your perseverance and your determination actually um, yeah save the day for them so good All right, thank you. No problem. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.